Hi everyone! Hey guys, and welcome back to the It's Not Just Black and White podcast. So we have a very special guest today. Mm -hmm. He's another one of my friends from high school. We've known each other for about 10 years. His name is Leland Morrissey, and he is a musical artist in the hip-hop genre. And today he's going to be talking about hip-hop and its influence on the black community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Leland is awesome. It was such a pleasure having him on the show. He's super insightful. He's also going to talk about um, his journey and how he's working on his uh, music career. And, you know, he just has a lot of insightful things to say about um, the hip-hop industry, the influence it has on um, the community. And I'm just super excited for everyone to hear um, everything he has to say because he's uh, awesome. We love Leland. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, a huge shout out to him. And thanks a lot for being a guest on this podcast, bro. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks, Leland. And it was such a pleasure having you. Um, before we get into it with Leland, Mark and I just want to take a second um, to talk about something a little serious. Um, we received some tragic, heartbreaking news that our director from college, um, lost his battle to cancer and he passed away last week um doc has done so much for us um he's given both of us so many opportunities he's supported us so much he constantly reminded us about how much he loved us and cared for us and he really truly changed our lives and he'll forever hold a huge place in both of our hearts yeah absolutely i know speaking for myself personally um there's there's been there's a lot of people i have to thank for uh, getting where I am in my career today. And Doc is definitely one of those people. He gave me one of um, my first opportunities ever in terms of acting. And I deeply appreciate him for that because he taught me a lot of things. And really that, that opportunity gave me more confidence and perpetuated me from mm -hmm. going forward. And also I know for, for Kara, same, same thing with her because we were cast in the same production together um, through him. Mm -hmm. And we really appreciate him a lot for that, um, yeah. especially me. So definitely rest in peace, Doc, and yeah. thank you for everything. He's had a huge impact on me becoming more confident, too. Um, he gave me my first leading role ever, and he always supported me with my nerves through that as well. And just really, he really he did, did change. Yeah. yeah, he really changed our lives. He was he was a funny guy, too. <laughs> Doc is so silly. Um, we love you, Doc. Rest in peace. You mean the world to us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, uh, that's enough said right there. Yeah. You know, All right. let's um, get into it with Leland, if you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So we'll, we'll bring in our guest and yeah. And so we'll be right back, guys. Thanks for listening again. All right, guys. And we're back. We have our guest here with us. Leland, if you want to introduce yourself to the people, tell them who you are, uh, what you do, and yeah. Hi guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Leland. I've known Mark for a pretty, pretty long time now. Time flies. I think it's 10 years. 10? Wow. Yeah, because ninth grade, so it was 14, Gosh. 15, 24, 25. Yeah. Yo, that's crazy. <laughs> for real. We're old. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that. <laughs> um, but I am. I always get tripped up when people ask me who I am. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> who are you? Who are Only you? Only you know who you are. Um, 
I well, guess tell I them think. about obviously how you're a music artist. Yeah. So tell them. Tell what us your name. why you're here. But <laughs> start and with that. You go, but I know you have a lot of names like Lilo Music, Sean, uh, Young Ugly. <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke. Young OG. Sean Deuce. What, what's, what is your name? What's the name you go by? The name I go by is <laughs> Sean Deuce. All right, all right. Um, I started off doing just production, and as time went by, I started dabbling into writing music, you know, preferably rapping. And um, yeah. Um, when did you first start writing music? And what made you want to start? When I first, when I first started writing music, it was probably like really, really young. But I didn't take it serious. It was probably like I was probably like eight years old. You know, like that's how it yeah, is. yeah. You know, you just writing raps and you just think saying, you're like the best shit. in the world. But like, <laughs> really, really, you're terrible. Spit some, spit some eight-year-old uh, bars right now. I can't even. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> but there's probably trash. I'm not gonna lie. You got saved in a notebook or anything like that? I can't find those notebooks, bro. Sad, sad. It's probably legendary right there. <laughs> but what inspired me to start writing? I don't know. I feel like, well, one thing that I feel like a lot of my close friends don't know is my dad was actually in a group when he was younger. You know, oh, so wow. around the age that I am now, a teenager, early twenties, he was in a group called the Professional Five. And they would perform at house parties and parks and things like that. And um, I feel like I kind of pick it up through him. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like it's kind of in my bloodstream almost. And also, my brother being eight years older than me, he was always listening to, you know, he was always listening to music. And he went to high school in the city at the time, so he would always come home and be like, yo, I was walking past TRL today and I saw Joel Santana. I gave him that. <laughs> that's you know, so I feel like it was, I was always surrounded by it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like that's kind of, because obviously uh, only probably like a few, like close to your friends know or whatever, that you're very well versed in music, especially old school, new school, whatever. Do you feel like being that your brother's eight years older than you and him listening to music, is that one of the reasons how you're like more well versed? And a lot of people may know or um, think that's just a you thing. I would definitely say my brother has a lot to do with it. But not just him. I would say my whole family, like the whole household, you know, mm -hmm. because my brother, you know, he was listening to hip hop. But then my parents was listening to, you know, R&B and mm -hmm. jazz and funk and, you know, stuff that came out in the 70s and everything like that. So, you know, if an old song were to come on now, I might not know the artist. But I'll definitely know the song, you know, mm -hmm. I'll be familiar with it. I go vibe with it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, these are things that I've heard around the household every Sunday when my mom cleans the house or driving in the car on the way to school, things like that. So I'm very familiar with it. Okay, interesting, because we actually have a game at the end that's going to oh, test that out. <laughs> and you'll be so the first good. guest who gets to play one of our games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's also, before we move on, what kind of music did your dad, like, what was the vibe for the group? um like r&b it was it was i i would say it was hip-hop but this is like 80s mm -hmm. so it was very like b-boy break dances type of you know like what's the show on uh netflix do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah i do nah dad if you're listening don't break dance <laughs> what's the like, what's, dad if you're listening please break dance, please break dance. <laughs> what's the show that used to come on uh that was on netflix uh you know what was the show, show about? The show when they was in the group and they was writing the raps 
and they was break dancing and performing at parties. And performing at parties. Was Jaden Smith in the show? Oh, the get down? Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. very I like that. It, though, oh, okay. but yeah. yeah. When you said Jaden Smith, that's how I knew it. All right, so <laughs> all right, so let's get into the topic. Okay. So Oh wait, right before we get into mm-hmm. like the topic topic, mm-hmm. um, we know that you like record your music and how do you go about that aspect for, you know, other like new musicians who want to get into it and like I know your music's on Spotify, like did you record in a booth? Just just a little bit more about Leland's music and then we'll get get into it into no it. Problem. Just wanna just curious. Yeah, this is this is actually I had a I had this same conversation with uh Nathaniel, which you guys know, uh, mm-hmm. my friend Davian's younger cousin. Mm-hmm. He called me last week and I was at work and he was like it was out of the blue, so you know, of course, twenty twenty has been wild. I'm like, hey, why isn't Nathaniel calling me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when I called him back, he was like, yeah, bro, I just want to get into music, and you're the only person I really know. So like, how do I do it? So, I would say, if you're just beginning, the first thing I would say is make sure that it's something you want to do. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's gonna happen overnight. You know, you might give yourself, all right, in three months, I'm gonna be at this point. And you could have the best music in the world and it just not make it to the point you thought it would, Mm -hmm. you know? So just make sure it is what you want to do. If you're going to start off, I would say start off with some very affordable equipment just so you don't blow through all your savings and then be like, no, that's not what I want to do, you know? (laughs) That's really important to hear. (laughs) You know, uh, I remember my first few raps were on like a snowball microphone that at the time cost like $30, you know, I would just hook it up to my laptop and then just record over some beats on YouTube. You know, it wasn't a fancy setup. Mm-hmm. It didn't sound that great, but I just wanted to get comfortable with myself. Um, once I started doing that, I bought some equipment to record at home. Um, I don't remember the name of the brand off the top of the head, but I'll give you guys that information afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like recording yourself is very important. As an artist, I feel like you should be comfortable with every aspect there is to do, you know? So making the music, you should be comfortable writing, producing maybe a little bit, engineering, and recording yourself. Mm -hmm. And you should also be able to manage yourself at some points. You should be able Mm -hmm. to not rely on somebody else to make those phone calls or send those emails. Like, you should be in control of your career in every aspect as much as possible. And um, what I do now as far as recording... I book studio time and, um, you know, it's hard to find a good studio with a good vibe and the people are nice and they're professional and on time and everything. But I feel like over the years, I've come across a few studios that I would really like a lot. And um, I go to those studios time and time and we record. I book sessions and like blocks. So I'm not going to go there for, you know, two hours and record one song. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll rather not go to the studio for five months straight but when i go to the studio i'm gonna be there for 12 hours mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. yeah just get a lot of work out the way mm-hmm. that right. makes sense um, that's great advice too um off that i have a, a lot of more questions but i feel like we could get into that um after we dive into the topic or or after we end the end the podcast but uh one of my first questions is about so how do you think because obviously uh the black culture they obviously are huge fans of hip-hop that's one of the biggest genres if not definitely the biggest genre of our culture so how do you feel like it has affected our culture um in any way you want to say like positive negative or just just elaborate on that question um well i'll start with the positive Mm -hmm. i felt 
I feel like it's given a lot of people from our culture um, a way to make a living mm. without, you know, working your regular nine to five, you mm. know? You have this talent that you were blessed with and, you know, talent is, you know, it varies by person. Some people might not think some rappers are too talented at all, but the way I look at it is if you could just use your voice and make something that people enjoy and can use as a form of entertainment and be able to do that to feed your family mm-hmm. and, you know, make sure that you guys don't have to struggle the way you once did and holidays and birthdays are mm-hmm. all better experiences now. And have people who are working nine to five and spending their hard on earned money to hear you, hear exactly. your music and watch you perform. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's, it's some that's a talent. <laughs> yeah, I do. Feel, that is a talent. And yeah. I feel like people should really be honored that wow people care this much about me to hear what i have to say you Mm -hmm. know so like i said positive is giving our people a way to make it out of the tough conditions they were once in um on the negative side unfortunately i've heard somebody say i forget i think it was vince staples i'm sorry if i'm incorrect but Mm -hmm. i was watching one of his interviews and he said black people sell trauma and I kind of compare it to Kevin Hart's first big stand-up show was called Laugh at My Pain. Mm -hmm. That's what really, you know, skyrocketed him, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And these were all personal things that happened to him, you know, stuff that happened at his mother's funeral, just all personal life experiences with him and his family. And he made jokes about it and he profited off of it. And I feel like as black people in our culture, we speak about things that we go through and, you know... We live in a country where that's what people like to hear. That's what people like to see. You know, as much as people try to paint it, Mm -hmm. it's like we could go back in the history books. Like this country has a nasty, bloody history and it's always been that way, Mm -hmm. you know. So for some reason, we're attracted to, you know, not only the glitz and glamour, but the things that come along with that, you know, so. Mm -hmm. It's like car accidents like when a car accident happens you just can't like you always just want to look at it even if it's like Mm -hmm. horrible like when i was coming here not too long ago there was like a car flipped on it on its side and i called you i was like i just saw a car accident (laughs) (laughs) instead of just just living i was like whoa yeah and it was horrible yeah yeah but yeah that's that's a good point for the people like listening to it but even for the people making it i feel like talking about trauma it's just therapeutic in a way like Mm -hmm. you feel me like it's just something to get off their mind share with others a way of coping with it basically i don't know how you how you feel about that um i agree you know my mom has this ongoing joke where she'd be like oh there's leland and then there's sean dose they're two different people <laughs> and to be honest like at first i was yeah, do annoyed. You feel like that's that's true it's true you mm-hmm. know it's like the things that i speak about in my music aren't necessarily things that i would feel comfortable saying in a setting with mm. other people yeah, yeah and when i make my music it's kind of like i'm talking to myself you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's kind of no, like no, no, i feel that I it's like my my diary you know mm-hmm. it's like poetry and, um, exactly you know it's songs where like i it takes a lot for me to open up mm-hmm. and in my music i feel like the people closest to me if they really want to know what is Leland going through in his life right now, mm-hmm. what is he thinking about? If they listen to my music, they could get those answers because I'm not going to publicly say it. But mm-hmm. in the music, I'm going to say, it. you know, I have an old song. It, the song. It, <laughs> so I put out a mixtape when I was like 17 
it was terrible. It's no, <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it can be found on the internet now. It's removed from anywhere, so just don't just try like to look Shazam. for it. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be like that person who found Shazam. <laughs> I'm gonna find that mixtape. But um, it's a line in one of the songs I say, and I said, uh, I forgot what I said word for word, but I was saying um, something along the lines of you know chase your dreams because you know. At the time, my mom was writing her first book, and I said, she's damn near 50, I'm only 17, so if I mess up, I could wipe my plate clean, or something like that. And it was just like, <laughs> you know? And like, that's not a conversation that I would have with my mother, though, you know? Mm -hmm. I have a song that came out maybe 2018, late 2018, I believe. It's called Skin, and I talk about something that me and my parents all have in common is that we've all lost a sister. You know, my mm. dad has lost a sister. My mom has lost a sister. I've lost my sister. That's not mm. something that I would ever sit down and talk to them at like the dinner table, you yeah, know? Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's my therapy. Yeah. Mm. I feel that too, because like, I feel like in general, a lot of people who don't like to speak out, um, speak out against their problems or speak their problems to people, they're, they always have these thoughts in their head and if they don't have anybody to speak it to they, they just want to tell it to somebody regardless yeah. if they know it or not so i feel like for me like Kara was that person like when i oh. like when we found each other and so for sweet. other people Thank yeah you. and for other people <laughs> especially in the hip-hop community i feel like that's in their music if they don't because also uh one thing that's a stigma in the black community is like going to therapy yes so a lot of black people have not for whatever reason have kind of like just shied away from therapy so i feel like music is uh basically their therapy in a way and they're kind of you know speaking out what they want to share with others i think so too and i think even like aside from all that i think it's just good to just like put stuff into the world and like kind of manifest it yeah just like saying something writing something singing something and just putting it out there and then it's just there yep and then mm -hmm. you can just let it be where it is it's out of your mouth out of your brain and mm -hmm. you can just keep moving forward yeah, so the next uh, thing I wanted to get into was, obviously, we know that traditionally rappers, you know, talk about where they came from and the struggles that they've gone through and all the things like that. That has been, you know, basically derived from the history of America and how we're, like, put in those situations mm -hmm. more often than not than the majority in this country. So obviously you're going to have songs based around that because you even said, so we like to talk about our trauma. So how do you feel when it takes that next step when we do talk about our trauma and then it gets into uh into violence um well i feel like hip-hop is one of the only genres where if you're not doing good enough or what people would look at as good enough which is you know having the the diamond chain or the fancy car or all the girls or popping bottles. If you're not doing all that, you're, it's like you're looked down upon. Like, oh, look at this broke boy, mm -hmm. you know? But then it's like, when you're talking about those things or even violence is looked at as like, it, it's still not enough. It's like, oh, so now that you said that, now you have to prove it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, I feel like, I wish that it could get to a point where it's, music is a form of entertainment, mm -hmm. but I just wish that hip hop could get to a point where it's almost like, like a movie, you know, whereas, viral movie, <laughs> <laughs> whereas, you know, 
people can take entertainment for entertainment, mm -hmm. you know, and not say, oh, well, he really meant, meant it when he says he's on a, a thousand foot yacht, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And my thing is, <laughs> you know, I feel like as a listener, I feel like responsibility falls on both sides. I feel like as a listener, you have to be responsible enough to be able to say, to realize the difference exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. you know like some things are just not to be logical exactly. they're not always balling exactly. you know but also on the other side as the artist i feel like you know not all the time but sometimes you have to understand who your audience is mm -hmm. and really say you know in the midst of all the entertainment and the glitz and glamour there should also, you should sprinkle a little message in there that, you know, mm -hmm. this is what it takes to get to where I'm at. And this is what I'm doing at this point in my life now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wanted to get to this question a little later, but based on what you just said there, it kind of makes me want to speak on it now. So do you think, whose responsibility do you think that is? Because how do we make sure that message gets across? Because obviously the people coming up now, you know, they're younger, so they're not going to that's not going to be their mentality. They're yeah. trying to focus on making it because they come from the gutter. So they're not trying to talk, like talk about any messages, maybe some of them, but probably not all of them because that's not on their mind. They're trying to look out for themselves. Mm -hmm. So do you think it's a responsibility more so on the audience or maybe older people who have been in that predicament who are now out of it and know how it is and know how, you know, people should be moving or like how artists should be moving. Like, do you think it's more responsibility on the older artist? Um, I wouldn't say it's a responsibility on the older artists because responsibility feels like You're it's mandatory, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I wouldn't use the word responsibility, but mm -hmm. I do feel like if they felt the need to, there's always a platform to step up to, to bring someone under your wing and say, I feel like you should be doing X, Y, Z, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and as far as the message in music goes, you know, like somebody that's just getting out of their environment and seeing things for the first time mm -hmm. i don't expect for them to you know you know make two changes by tupac like it's just <laughs> you know i don't expect them to make that but i do feel like if they put out a 15 song album one song at least out of the 15 will be you know kind of like a coming of age story of wow look what i've been through i made it here i'm grateful you know mm -hmm. but it just so happens that those songs never really are the ones that we hear about on, mm -hmm. you know, those songs don't do the most streams. Those songs don't get played on the radio. Those songs, people don't make TikTok challenges to. So, mm -hmm. That's true. you know, we just don't see it. But I do feel like they're in the mix. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. And who, you know, who has control over those radio plays and everything like that? That's that's how I always think. It's like, who, because, you know, these labels, majority of the times, you know, it's white people who are in charge and who are, you know, signing these people. And those are the typical songs that, that are played out there on the radio and that are getting them hit. Mm -hmm. So, and then, you know, traditionally, I feel like that perpetuates things. It's like, oh, this song made number one. This song is going to get me, this song is going to get me hot. So I need to make more songs like this. Exactly. Um, I don't know if you had any opinions on that, how you feel about that, if you, if you ever even thought about that. Because um, I just thought about that now. One thing... We have to remember that at the end of the day, it's the music business. Mm -hmm. And there's different businesses, but business anywhere in any realm of the world is always business. And business is usually 
filled with money-hungry people who don't mm. really care about anybody that has less than them. You know, mm-hmm. so... They're just focused on what's going to get them bigger. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if what's you're a label owner or a CEO of this major record deal, or this major, major record label, excuse me, and you just give this young artist a record deal that's never seen this abundance of money ever in life, he could talk about all the shootings and violence and drugs in his community, and you wouldn't care because... You're sitting behind a desk just collecting the checks. Mm-hmm. You're not actually in that environment going through the things that this artist has to go through. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's unfortunate because if you've never been in a situation before, it's hard to turn down certain things. So if you're looking at a let's say somebody's 18 and they get offered a record deal for let's say like five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You've never seen $500,000 at once in your life. Of course, you're going to take it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. You know, you're going to jump at the opportunity. But that also comes with a lot of things other than $500,000. Yeah, that's your money up front. But on Mm -hmm. the back end, hey, we're keeping 80% of everything, (laughs) you know? It's like not yours. Exactly. You know, so it's like... Yeah, a lot of people don't know about that because... And I I feel like you want to say something. Yeah. Um... Because, yeah, like you said, a lot of people see that money up front and that's like more money than they've ever seen. But there's other deals where people could take where it's like less money. But and then in the future, like a lot of royalties that they'll get paid for that they're not even thinking about. Because mm-hmm. like he said, and like we've said before, like they're coming out of a tough situation. So they're trying to make it now. Like they, they've been hungry. They've been struggling. So they're trying to make it right now. They're not trying to look at long term because all they see is a short term mm-hmm. when there's better deals out there that you could probably take less money but make more return on the end. No, I was going to say, it kind of reminded me of, not exactly, but kind of reminded me of the story you told me about J. Cole when he put out, like, Workout, and, like, Nas was really disappointed at him because he, like, conformed to, like, the mainstream vibe instead of, like, writing um, his truth, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. If that, I don't know if I told the story correctly. No, no, that's basically the gist of it. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what it is. I feel like, uh... I guess in that moment, J. Cole felt like he had to, you know, put out what uh, a, a radio record to to gain more popularity. And I feel like that's probably what a lot of hip hop artists feel like they have to do because mm-hmm. they want to appeal to that mass audiences. But as you mature and J. Cole is one of those definitely those veteran rappers now at this time, he's definitely not newer anymore. So he knows the ins and outs and everything. He's just going to write about what he cares about, what, what he wants. And so are the other um, older artists out there too. But the younger ones feel like they're not really thinking like that right now. Yeah, I agree. And also, I feel like a part of it is, um, you know, the labels we speak about. You know, mm-hmm. uh, artists can. I'm sure there are definitely situations where an artist says, "I need a song like this so I could get here." Mm-hmm. But then there's labels. You know, if you sign to a label, a lot of times the label will tell an artist. Hey, that song's cool and all, but try to make something that sounds like this, you know, like, and they try to redirect your career. And I kind of understand it from a standpoint of like, we have resources, so Mm -hmm. let us help you out. But I don't think the label looks at it like that. I I always look at it like if I'm an artist or any artist, express your art. Exactly. And also it's like, well, you 
believed in me enough to sign me and now mm-hmm. you're trying to change who i was when you signed me it, yeah i've never understood the concept at all you know? mm-hmm. i yeah. feel like that's why a lot of people say that like when an artist comes out they say their best album is or their first album is their best album mm-hmm. maybe because one a lot of people say it's because they put so much work into it and two maybe the record label manipulates what comes after that's mm-hmm. very true you know also, yeah, also i feel like now in the streaming era, it's like 2020, it'll be somebody, somebody will drop like three albums in a year. Like you don't get a chance to really take in and enjoy music. Mm-hmm. And I feel like music is, an ex- to create music, you have to be able to live, like feel new things and see new things and go new places. And it's like, well, if I just put out an album that took me months to make three months ago, mm-hmm. like what am I going to talk about a month later? Like, yeah, you know, that's a good yeah, point. Yeah. That's true. It could like sometimes it feels like they're forced to talk about recycled experiences yeah. and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. But um, you touched on one thing. Oh, I, forgot. I forgot what you said, but it was uh, it made me think of what Jay Z has said before. Oh, about how like we soak in like music so quickly we don't have time to like uh, really sink in. Because mm. um, he he spoke about that before. How like nowadays even like critics they'll judge an album like a week after it comes out or like the next day or whatever. And he was like back in the day when he started coming out, took like a couple of months before like you could really, uh, before critics would, you know, come out with their critique because it takes that amount of time to like really sink in a message. Cause you, you might have to listen. Even you've told me like you've listened to songs like hundreds of times. And then it wasn't until the (laughs) hundred and first time where you just realized what a line meant or whatever. Yep. Like especially the memento one when I put you on to that Drake verse. That was crazy. But yeah, no, nah, I, I agree hundred percent. Um one other thing I wanted to get into, uh so we talked about the, the violence and everything and like um so my question is when it comes to the violence that we were talking about before, uh how do you feel like obviously as a black man when, you know, these movements are going on and then we see these rappers tragically have their lives end uh, due to violence, uh, like a Pop Smoke, a King Von, and things of that nature. Um, you know, it's sad to see, but the thing about it is that, you know, I feel like if you're an artist, you have more of a spotlight on you, but just as, you know, being a black man, period, I feel like, there's always eyes on you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I feel like now being somebody in the spotlight with the abundance of money and jewelry and, uh, you know, a celebrity, now it's like times 100. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, Fabulous put something up on Instagram the other day. He was like, you know, with all due respect, being a rapper is the most dangerous job in the world, mm-hmm. you know? And I didn't disagree with him, you know? Mm-hmm. you We see a lot of artists nowadays catching, you know, gun charges and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when you see... Um, you know, Mo3 from Houston get shot and killed. Pop Smoke earlier this year get shot and killed. Benny the Butcher get shot in the leg. Uh, Zoe Dollars in Miami just a few days ago got shot five times. Mm-hmm. When you see this keep happening, it's like, can you really, like, watch somebody get charged with gun possession and then say something like, why, why do you have a gun? That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that will be traumatizing to somebody to oh, yeah, see yeah. their colleagues and peers go through a situation and to not try to prevent it to happening to you is like like what are you supposed to do yeah you know so i feel like um so how do you feel that it's most of the most of the time that as members of obviously our own community 
And then, you know, we have movements going on that we're trying to, you know, prevent brutality against us. And then, you know, you see it happening to us with, within our own community. And a lot of times it is like members of the hip hop community being, unfortunately, being the victims of that. Um, I feel like... Like, do you think it has to, something has to change within the music or within the audience members of how they have to, how they're choosing to dissect it and choosing to differentiate, like, certain lifestyles? I feel like the music definitely affects people in Mm -hmm. a way where it's, you know, if you're... It could affect somebody in a few different ways. If you're an artist and you're talking about this new car you just bought and this new house you got with the big swimming pool, you know, somebody could just look at you and just be jealous. You know, that's mm-hmm. something that really exists. I do believe that yeah, people 100%. wake up in the morning jealous of other people and say, you know, I'm going to harm and, somebody that has mm-hmm. more yeah. than me. And instead yeah. of trying to fix their own situation, exactly. they'll try to ruin that person's situation. Exactly. You know, and... um. It also could be looked at from a standpoint of somebody, you know, like I said, talking what was once their lifestyle and then somebody, you know, for no particular reason, just saying this person said this in the song. Now he has to prove it. So, you know, as you know, it's unfortunate, but as a rapper, you're in the spotlight, you know, you're followed everywhere you go. You know, you can scroll on your Instagram. You're going to see, well, it's COVID, you know, so not now. But mm-hmm. before COVID, you scroll on your Instagram and all you will see tonight, meet me in L.A. I'm at this club at this time. Da-da-da. You know, like mm-hmm. every city you go to, like you go on tour. Mm-hmm. It literally, there's tour dates. It shows every city you're going to be in for the mm-hmm. next three people, months. People know you're going to be It's not a in. secret. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. and for somebody that feels like, oh, this person said this on the song. All right, when he comes here, I'm I'm going to go see him and see if he's really about what he said he's in the mm-hmm. song, you know? And, you know, for no particular reason, you know? And then there's situations where you might know somebody personally and had a problem with them before they, they popped off. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, of course, those situations are different. Mm-hmm. But as far as the first two situations, it's just unfortunate that, you know, that people think that way. How do you think it, it, it got there? How do you think uh, it evolved there? Um, That's a great question. I feel I like... I remember you talking about how, like, it evolved in a different way in terms of, like, bragging. Because, like, they were still, like, you know, when hip-hop just started, they were still bragging, but just in different ways. Yeah. They didn't have as much. It wasn't, like, as glamorous then. But in terms of, like, the, um, the beefing and things of that nature, like, how do you think it got there, in your opinion? Um, well... I feel like a lot of people, you know, in hip hop, we come from these communities that, you know, have less and our schools aren't the best and things like that. So when you come from those environments, those environments are sometimes filled with, you know, drugs or gangs or things like that. So let's say you're from neighborhood A and I'm from neighborhood B. And then I start rapping and you start rapping and mm-hmm. we're both popular now. Mm-hmm. And we had an issue with each other before we were popular. Mm-hmm. It's like now that spills over into the music. Mm-hmm. Now you're listening to people 
party into the song that I made about you, and now you it it will get you riled up. You know, mm-hmm. it's like no, I just audience this, don't even know. <laughs> is, this is the fourth car I heard drive down the street playing this song about me. You know, like <laughs> you would be upset, mm-hmm. and I feel like that. You know, unfortunately, those real life problems they move over into the music industry, and then it's like a whole thing where where it's kind of like all right, what well, was once a neighborhood five block radius issue the whole world is invited to it now you know Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's something that that's very dangerous Mm -hmm. because then it's not just the people in the neighborhood or the people you go to school with that's like oh this person said this now it's the whole world leaving comments on your picture and saying oh this this person said this and now Mm -hmm. everybody's antagonizing you and all these things and it gets to a point where you forget what the original issue was. You just know that you don't like you don't this like person. person. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that, that's actually what happened with, uh, I feel like, uh, what, what happened? I think it was uh, probably 50 Cent and Ja Rule. They, I believe they was like, I don't yeah. even know why I'm like mad at this person. Why? I just know <laughs> I don't like this person. But do you, do you think, like, the audience has any obligation to that at all? Because, like, I know, me, myself included, obviously, I definitely like songs where they're talking about violence mm-hmm. and, you know, it's perpetuating that. And I'm like, and then sometimes I feel guilty. I'm like, man, it's probably like, is the reason why this happened and, and so-and-so got into this and I made this person end up getting killed or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, bumped to that music. Like, is there any responsibility or obligation on us or what, what can we do there? Or is, or do we not have responsibility? What is it? How do you feel about that? Um, I understand you know, like like I said, I feel like the music definitely puts a certain energy into the air. And then I might listen to that music and be like, damn, this but this is like one of my favorite songs, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a it is you know, you're stuck in a tough position of do I continue to support this or mm-hmm. do I stray away from this because I know that there has been real life violence behind these words you know Mm -hmm. and it's something that honestly i feel like it's up to that listeners you know it's their choice you know some people might may feel strongly enough about it to be like you know what i'm not listening to it then some people may say i don't care this is just what i listen to on my day-to-day basis like it's i because they don't have a personal connection to it Mm -hmm. so it's easier for them to just say i'll keep listening to it you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it doesn't mean as much because they probably can't relate to it, so it's not as painful to listen to. Uh I mean, if you think of something, you can listen to something that you really relate to. I wouldn't, you know, listen to it often because it would probably hurt every time I hear it. Exactly. So I guess it's just easier for any regular consumer to just listen to this music and then continue to support it. And then this rapper, hip-hop artist, whomever, just continues to put out this content because they see it being popular Mm. or because they continue to experience it. Yeah. I feel like uh, it, the main issue is definitely the um, the labels like we were speaking on before, because I definitely do feel like as time goes on, these artists who did go through those situations and who did rap about that uh, have moved on to, you know, better situations. Like, for example, like me and Leland talked about this before, like 50 Cent, Jay-Z, and I think uh, Meek Mill, and I think other people who are in their situation who are getting to that... Um, older tenure in the game will probably do the same thing Mm -hmm. um but like i said it's like the younger ones who don't have that mindset yet but if it's constantly being pushed out there that this is what sells this is what sells then that's just going to perpetuate you know that type of music even more 
especially if people people like it and that's what they're they're telling you to promote then that's what's gonna sell and i feel like eventually that it, it will change but uh i feel like that's one of the major issues with it now yeah and just to tie into what i said before it's like hip-hop is one of the only genres where you know you're judged on everything you do everything you say mm-hmm. and you know so somebody like 50 cent I was talking to one of my good friends a few uh, weeks ago, and he was, you know, I was listening to the old 50 Cent album, Mm -hmm. and he was like, oh, that's when 50 Cent was good. He lost his edge now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, "Uh, nah, he's too pretty. He's too cleaned up. Like, he he doesn't talk about those things. And like I just said, it's like... He's not in that environment anymore. Exactly. So, like, 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 he's producing TV shows and all, like, what do you expect him to... To talk about. Exactly, you know? And that's the thing, that's the, the problem too, I feel like, because we've gotten so used to and accustomed to that being like the good music or the like hard the music. Like that's what we want to hear. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's what we want to hear. And then when they evolve, then it's like, oh man, it's not it's not as good anymore. So I feel like more labels uh, need to start pushing out like, you know, songs that do have a positive message and things like that on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um and that and that's gonna be tough because we've already been conditioned where exactly. that's that's what we like that's what we're used to so unless they're you know willing to sacrifice a big hit you know monetary wise mm-hmm. for the sake of us which probably is gonna happen, no, it's gonna, how do you think we got in this situation that, in the first place so, so you know we got a you know we got a long time coming we got a long hill to up climb but yeah. you know we'll see uh, I know you wanted to uh, yeah, talk about... Yeah, um, something I wanted to ask you about. We kind of, sort of talked about something similar this over the summer when we were talking about logic. Yep. But I, I want you to get into that situation, like, talk about that again, because I thought that was really interesting, and I want to hear about it again. And also, just your thoughts on, like, white rappers and, like, their, you know, contribution to the industry, um, you know, how they've added or taken away from anything, you know, just kind of your thoughts on that whole community um, and your favorite rapper macklemore <laughs> <laughs> um the thing about white rappers is i feel like one thing about eminem and i'm not the number one eminem fan you know but i will never say that eminem isn't talented because if we're talking mm-hmm. about i don't feel like he's the best song maker in the world Mm-hmm. But if we're just talking it's about lyrics, difference. I think a lot of people don't know that. It's yeah, it's, between making good songs and being yeah. one of the best, you know, lyricists. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I don't think he's the greatest song maker, but as far as rapping ability, he's probably like the best, almost ever, arguably. Facts. You know, yeah, definitely mm-hmm. top five. Yeah, yeah. he you know? So, um, but one thing I like about Eminem, he's said on countless occasions that mm-hmm. he understands that he's a guest in the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, he he understands that it's not something he built. He was a fan of it and now he's able to live his life and feed his family from it but he's always said he understands his place in the culture he's a guest to the culture and he's not gonna make like a mockery out of it you know yeah, of course whereas i feel like now now in 2020 i can't say that you know somebody from you know north dakota is necessarily making a mockery out of it (laughs) but you know it's like we're in a time where we've seen artists become popular off of not the most complex Mm -hmm. topics or lyrics so yeah if that's what you're a fan of and that's what you're used to then of course you'll make that type of music you know Mm -hmm. as far as 
the Logic situation, I feel like that goes yeah. back to what we just said a few minutes ago. Logic's first album, I'm a fan of. Mm-hmm. Everything a little bit after that, I feel like it was more, you know, it was a little more, you, you know, I feel like it was kind of corny. <laughs> <laughs> like it was attention seeking? Do you feel like that or that's not the phrasing you want to use? I don't want to say attention seeking, but if I don't feel like the hunger was there. You know, his mm-hmm. first album was called Under Pressure. Yeah. Nah, yeah, I messed with that. You know, it was called Under Pressure. Yeah. Everything after that, it felt like I've made it to this point and now I'm I like chilling. The second one too. Yeah. Well, the reason called. I want to talk about him too is the whole racial identity situation with yeah. who was said Joe mean Budden. things about him. Uh, yeah, it was Joe. Joe And what did he say again? That that's why I really wanted to talk about him too, because like how like whatever that whatever um, he had said. I forgot what exactly he said. I remember it was about. Because Logic had said that he was retiring and Joe Budden said something along the lines of, like, we don't care. <laughs> like, <Logic's laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. So yeah, Logic yeah. Logic announced that he was retiring and, like, he was crying when he said it and everything like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, he has a he has a child. So he said he's retiring to be a father. Mm-hmm. And Joe Budden basically said, like, we don't care. We never listen to your music. You suck. <laughs> All these, like all these things that's the gist <laughs> and um you know that's his opinion you know mm-hmm. that's his opinion logic obviously has a huge following fan yeah. base mm-hmm. you know um but his fan base is also a different audience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i can't necessarily tell you five people that listen to logic you know Mm-hmm. And it might be a thing of just not being able to relate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's, I don't know, it's tough because if you look at a black artist, they could say the same thing a hundred times in a song and you'll just let it slide. But when he does it, it's kind of like, why do you keep reminding me? And I don't know why our mindset automatically goes to that but it just seems like he's trying to like to just sit in. at the cool table and yeah, it's yeah. like mm-hmm. bro you're at the cool table you signed a like a 30 million dollar contract like mm-hmm. no you're the cool mm-hmm. one you know mm-hmm. and it's like don't try to backpedal to you know fit in like no it's you're standing out and that's how you should want to be yeah you know and not saying that that's what he's intentionally doing but that's just my standpoint of how i view it you know yeah Mm -hmm. no definitely yeah Yeah. i was gonna say because back to what you said about the eminem thing um about him saying he's a guest of the culture like he even said it himself that you know um you know if a black artist was to be rapping the same thing like said the same lyrics as him word for word they wouldn't be as popular because you know, it comes back to the white privilege thing because, you know, they have a a different audience mm-hmm. and they have yeah. the audience of the majority. So when they're doing something cool and it's like that we've been doing something for years, it's like, oh, wow, got a white person doing it now. That's that's cool. This is the cool thing now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like logic, maybe he doesn't want to be associated with that. So that's why he's trying to, you know, like you said, backpedal in a way mm-hmm. to make it seem like, you know, this is I'm not doing it for that. Like I'm trying to, you know. I'm trying to be within the culture too because I am biracial, so I am. So yeah. this is like my culture too. Yeah. But to your point, you know, I feel like you're saying he's kind of overdoing it. Yeah. Sometimes it comes <laughs> off as like 
all right, bro, <laughs> I, I get it, you know? Yeah, but, yeah. And, and also, you know, there's tons of white artists that are just being themselves yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's working perfectly fine, you know? Yeah. Um, I listened to Jack Harlow's album last night. Oh, I forgot to listen to it. And I loved yeah. it. You know, but like, oh, he's he's not doing he's not saying anything where where I'm like that's you did you didn't do that yeah, you know like yeah, he's yeah. completely being himself and it sounds genuine and it sounds good yeah you know it doesn't sound like let me try to say this like this so this audience over here will respect me you know it doesn't yeah. you know it sounds he's not natural trying to cater to a certain audience exactly yeah, of course with logic it probably just stems from his racial identity yeah, crisis yeah, he's that he been, has yeah yeah obviously yeah. he's been through a lot he's had a traumatizing past so yeah of course and he's talked about his you know conflictions with like both sides so that's mm-hmm. probably gonna reflect obviously in the music definitely mm-hmm. um or his persona in general yeah mm-hmm. uh just want to backtrack a little bit do you have any examples of like any white artists that you feel have tried to like make a mockery um that have tried to make a mockery mm-hmm. because like you said i think you gave a good example with like eminem and jack Harlow. like especially with eminem because he's like done like you know he knows the history of it so he like exactly. he studies it so i feel like what you were saying before with the mockery thing it's like they just see what's uh what's hot right now so they want to hop on the bandwagon but they don't even know like the history of before like you yeah. know the little intricate details of it mm-hmm. but they're I, just trying to like make but, something pop on but i can't equate that to them making a mockery out of it because mm-hmm. that's what they know you know eminem he started rapping a long time ago so when artists that he looked up to you know these are like real rap rapidly rap hip-hop mm-hmm. guys yeah, where yeah. you know that those artists probably made him want to say i want to focus on lyricism because mm-hmm. these guys rap great so i want to be the best rapper in the world mm-hmm. so somebody that's 16 that's listening to you know any Blue artists face. nowadays <laughs> you know they're not gonna strive to be like i gotta be the best the best mc yeah, because yeah. that's not really what's the most popular thing nowadays yeah. you know that's a good point yeah. so it's hard to kind of filter out all right who's making music that they genuinely enjoy and who's just like trying to make a mockery of the culture you yeah know? Mm-hmm. would you say it's more like ignorance um i can't even say it's ignorance you know it's just one thing i've been seeing in the past few years in hip-hop is older artists get mad at younger artists when they don't know their history <laughs> mm. and it's like bro when you was their age That's what I you didn't know <laughs> like you didn't know about the songs that came out 30 years prior you know <laughs> like i and then they always be like oh if you're going to be a part of the culture there's a responsibility to yada 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 and do you think that's true do you think that uh they didn't know about like songs back then like when did hip-hop technically originally come out i would probably say like mid 70s is fairly a mm-hmm. young probably the youngest yeah, genre yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so do you think you don't think the like the old school rappers like like in the 90s like knew about the 70s in the 90s did they know about the 70s yeah, i would yeah, say yeah. i would say yes but yeah I feel as like the old school rappers more so did their history than like now nowadays. but i don't <laughs> but see i don't think it's a thing of knowing your history if mm-hmm. we're talking about a genre that started in the mid 70s in mm-hmm. the 90s Let's say you was a baby in the mid-70s when it started. Mm. In the 90s. So let's say now it's the 90s. How old are you? You know? Yeah. Mid-20s? Mid-20s, yeah. Exactly. Mm. So you only have 25 years 
of music there, opposed to somebody that's making music in 2020. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that what they're trying to say is like, then you should know the, the music 25 years from that point. Like you don't have to know the 70s, <laughs> music in the 70s. You know what I mean? But then where I think does that's it what end? they're saying. <laughs> exactly. Where like, does it end? <laughs> 25 increments for everyone. 25 year increments. <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, did you have anything more to say about that? Or um, I, I don't feel like it's mandatory for young artists to know the history per se. You know, it's mm-hmm. like. I know the history because, like I said, I have a background. My older brother, eight years older than me, the things he was listening to, I got put on to. My dad listened to certain, you know, I found out later in life that a lot of my friends' parents don't listen to hip hop, mm. you know? And when I first found that out, I was like, like, what? Exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But my parents listen to music that they grew up on. But they'll also put on, you know, like the new Drake song. They'll like that just as much. Mm. Yeah. So I, I don't feel like an artist is obligated to know all the history of the genre that they choose to be a part of. You know mm. what I'm saying? You guys are both in the film industry. I'm sure you don't know about every single movie and director and actor ever that's ever acted hey, before you been around a lot more than hip-hop that's that's a lot of movies to get yeah that's a lot, of, a lot but do of you stuff. know back 25 years yeah of course all right mark 25 years that's not 25 that long years that's not that, yeah that's 95 all right i guess you it's got different it. though it's yeah. different it's different though <laughs> but I feel like people all... talk about move like like people reference movies more than they reference songs. That's true. So, yeah. But also think about like... how frequent music comes out opposed to music that's, opposed yeah, yeah. to movies. That's too. Like that too. Yeah, that's a good point. An album equates to a movie, not a song. Because a song is you know, it's too, like a movie is two hours long. There's so much substance in there. Like you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh there could be a lot of substance in a song, but it's two minutes, so it's like, you know. I two, three minutes. feel like that's hard to say because usually when an album comes out, a person album might not listen. Album is literally listen... a story. No, I know, but a person might not listen to the whole album. You know how some right people away. say like, "Oh, I've never seen the movie the whole way through. I've seen bits and pieces of it." It's like that. Mm, I see what you're saying. If, if you have to compare, because obviously it's hard to compare. Yeah. Okay. Two I feel you. Things. All right. Uh, one. All right. So I wanted to uh, end it with. It's probably it's probably a tough question. Okay. So, what is your top five? Uh, favorite songs and or albums so you could do both or you could just choose one if like songs are too hard top five top five albums of what i'm listening to like now no just of all time either songs or either songs or albums i have to look let me see um are you gonna go albums or songs albums yeah. <laughs> songs is like impossible <laughs> but um as far as albums i feel like i feel like people get scared when they're asked top five anything there and they yeah. automatically just say like what they're supposed to say yeah, like if yeah, some yeah. if somebody asks somebody their top five rappers they mm-hmm. automatically say uh biggie tupac and jay-z and then the yeah, other yeah. two are just like they're actually favorite you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like i feel like albums are a reflection of where you were in that time they mm. might not be the best albums ever but i know for me at those times in my life they were like pivotal for yeah me, that's you what know? related to you the most like I think. they were the soundtrack for that moment in my life you mm-hmm. know um i would man this is tough 
Do I have to just get five? Can I give like seven just because? Just because, yeah. Live okay. your truth, Leland. <laughs> so, in no particular order, mm-hmm. the Carter Three definitely because it was the first album I ever asked my mom for, mm. and you know this is before streaming and iTunes and stuff like this. So, before that, <laughs> I would literally go to the uh the check cashing place on Mary Boulevard and what is that 231st and in the back of the check cashing place they had this dude who just sold bootleg CDs and every <laughs> week you know the 2000s was like a bootleg era it's crazy <laughs> and like you know now we're used to albums coming out on Fridays and I don't know why it changed but there was a time where albums came out on Tuesdays mm-hmm. so every Wednesday I would go to the check cashing place after school and he would have bootleg CDs for five dollars. Wow! And I remember I would always buy bootleg CDs, but the Carter Three is the first album where I actually asked my mom for. I was like, "No, you got to go to like Target and get like the rare. I can't bootleg this one, mom. Learning new information here. <laughs> and, um, I remember I can't bootleg this one. Yeah, like I just couldn't, you know. And I remember the next morning, her saying like, "Oh, um." I couldn't find the clean one. Was it a lot of curses on it? And I was like, no, it wasn't a lot of curses. <laughs> but meanwhile, he was saying things that I never even heard before. I was like, yo, what does this mean? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> um, 2014 Forest Hills Drive. I Ooh. feel like I know that whole album, like, word for word. Um, also, I went to see that J. Cole performed that album live. That was my first ever live was show. Was that the one you got mm-hmm. to see for a dollar? Or did you ever do that one? No, nah, I never did that one. I never, no, I never did the Dollar and Dreams one. Okay. But um, that was the first sh- live show I seen. The album is like, oh, I know it front to back, word for word. Um, I still think I, I'm, I'm gonna put Born Center over that come personally. On, Mark, come on, Mark. <laughs> I always go back and forth, but I think for me personally, how you said, you know, person, I think in that time when I came out, that I, I just, you know, that shit just hit. But yeah. Um. Then on the R&B side, I have to say Trap Soul by Bryson Ooh. Tiller. Um, I know that album word for word. <laughs> like, it was just, I feel like he doesn't get the credit for influencing a lot of music that we hear nowadays, you know? Yeah, I feel like he doesn't. Yeah, he really, I feel like he kind of opened up a new lane for artists to make R&B music, but kind, like they're singing, but they're not really singing. They're yeah. kind of just talking. Yeah. But it's over like these beats that you shouldn't be talking about heartbreak on, mm-hmm. you know? Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> pressure, <laughs> pressure, pressure. Because no matter what he comes out with now, like he's forever going to be considered, you know, a transcendent oh, person. Oh, absolutely. You know? um, I would have to say Graduation by Kanye. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a little bit, you know, out of whack now. You know what's funny? Nick, Nick said the same thing when he was talking about his fashion. Nick was like, I mean. Like, even though his political views are a little wacky but, right now. But yeah, like graduation, I feel like that album, just creativity wise, he was just being sure. himself, you know? And it's like, I feel like trying to set a trend more times than not goes bad than goes good. When you're trying, I feel like, though. But if you're going to set a trend, you got to try to set a new trend. You know, if that's not what's been going on, you have to be really confident to say, I'm going to try and make it sound like this. And 
how often do we see that happen? Not very often because nine times out of ten, it goes bad and we don't care about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a great album. Mm. You know, um, I just that was three or that was four. That was four. It was. Mm-hmm. Soul Four, Soul Drive, Carter Three. And oh. Um. For this last one, Good Kid, Mad City. Oh, that's in my top five too. <laughs> um, yeah, that album. I mean. I don't think I have to speak on it. Anybody yeah, that's know. heard that, it, that's 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 like a classic. That, yeah. I mean, it's not like a classic. It, it's, it's just classic. hard to. It's hard for anybody. I, I mean, I knew he was. I was always like looking forward to his next albums after that because I was like, how are you gonna top this? But in my opinion, it, it hasn't because it's just, it's just hard to. Yeah, it's a classic album, crazy. and when I listen to that album, the thing about it is like, as a music maker, sometimes you listen to other music. And you can't even be a fan sometimes because your mind is just processed to be like, that could have been better. Oh, this mm-hmm. could have been better. Mm-hmm. But I listen to the album and I hear no flaws. <laughs> and I'm just like, how is this possible? No, it's, it's the, the storytelling is just immaculate. It's yeah. just it's it's just really well done. It's out and of this if, world. Yeah, if if you're um if you never heard of it and if you're not really a fan of hip hop, have that be the first hip hop album to like that's it's just it's wild. But uh well you name five, so I guess you don't have to do the the, the yeah. seven. Would you? Would you? Cause you said Carter three first. So for your top five artists, would would Lil Wayne be one of them? Um, I feel like if maybe you would have asked me a few years ago, you know, there's new artists that come out every year and they continue to make music. So so it's like as new music continues to come out, it's gonna it surpass, changes, yeah. you know. And also when the Carter three came out, that was. I don't know what year that was. 07? The Carter. I think it was a 07 album. I can't tell you. It's not popping up. But I was younger. And that came out 2008. I was close. You know? Mm-hmm. So as a kid, I'm not going to be able to take in and understand the things he was talking about. Now, as an adult, I could listen back and be like, wow, I wish... I thought it was great then, but it's even greater than I thought it was because now I could understand. Yeah, no, that's and, appreciate that's it more. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But opposed to seeing, there's nothing like seeing something in real time. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody knows Michael Jordan's the greatest, but I actually remember seeing LeBron win championships and, you know, making game winner shots and things mm-hmm. like that. So it, it has a different effect different. because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you've seen it. So you feel like it, it's yours, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's a Man, that that's a whole another episode in itself. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Just that perspective, yeah. Because that's a really good point. I never even thought about. But I was also gonna ask you your top five most underrated albums. But I feel like that might take you too yeah. long. <laughs> <laughs> that would be difficult. All right, so All right, well, that was awesome, mm-hmm. Leland. Thank you so much for being on our show, Thank our podcast. I was so excited. So I appreciate awesome. you, bro. Definitely, uh, love hearing your insight because you're very well spoken and yeah. you know i think this was a, you know this was a good lesson for me so i hope it was a good lesson for everyone yeah. else out there thank you and you're gonna be our first guest to play a game yeah. do you are you do you want to of course okay all right so stay tuned and we'll be right back with the game i'm not throwing right. no shots but i'm gonna show you my gun i'm gonna take my chances i ain't biting my tongue and we're back okay so here's the game so i'm gonna play a second of a song. Oh man! And you have to <laughs> name the song. Okay. 
You ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Did you see that? I didn't see it. Okay. That's why I put my head down. <laughs> Come on, camera. Um, ja Rule Ashanti, uh, love it when you do something, baby. No. <laughs> You got the right artist. You got the right artist. What's the name of the song? Mesmerized. All right. (laughs) So Mesmerized by Ja Rule. You got the artist in this. That was good. That's one of my favorite songs. Okay. J. Cole, Crooked Smile. Come on. on. (laughs) Featuring TLC. Come on. Got to cut the time a little quicker. I know. It's hard. Okay. Stop, stop, stop. Uh, Lil Wayne, Lloyd. Um... Uh, can I be for real? <laughs> you gotta sing it to get to the word. <laughs> um, she's fine too, but I want you. Uh, damn, what's the name of this song? <laughs> you literally said it. <laughs> Wait, it's called Fine. Too? No, it's no. you. It's called you? you. Yeah. I never knew that song was called you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So no, she's five two or fine too. It's five two. But... <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Fabulous, um, can't let you go. Yeah, wow. That's my second. Okay. Stop. Oh, That's come on. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, the intro. What's the name of the song? The intro, you know, classic, classic. Any party that's played at, <laughs> I can't wait till COVID is over so I could just hold up. Wait a minute, you know. Wait, did you say no, the name of it? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, it's called the... We call it the intro, but technically it's called Dreams and Nightmares. <laughs> okay. Mark was so hyped for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he was so excited. I was like, you gotta end that quick, because that's gonna be too easy. All right. Oh. That's a tough one. I think I don't even know what I mean. I picked this one to be really hard. Wait. Don't say nothing. Oh, yeah. That's right. mm-hmm. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Can I hear it again? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, start it over. Play another one and then do the same thing again. Real quick. Damn. I'm going to take a wild guess. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> Lil Dirk? No. no. <laughs> we picked this one special for you. It's a special hope song. It's a whole song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. I'm never going to get invited to the Rock Nation brunch. <laughs> it was a reminder. Oh, damn. <laughs> I picked that one on purpose. I knew it would be really hard. Okay. You ready? Yo. Oh, come on. Uh, Lauren Hill. I let her say yo. <laughs> no, I do. Sorry. Uh, Lauren Hill. What's the, what's the name? Of, is it is that song called That Thing or is it yeah, called yeah. Do Up? Do Up That Thing in yeah. parentheses. Yeah. Okay, that was my bad. Okay. The hell's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not my favorite song. Um, I have no clue. Oh. <laughs> I have no clue. You don't know. Do you give up? Maybe play a little bit more, <laughs> just for the sake of. Alright, let's go. Um, Nirvana? No! <laughs> I've been waiting for this one. Turn it up! So, songs, I'm a skinny hose. <laughs> it's 
Tempo by Lizzo and Missy Elliott. I don't listen to Lizzo, camera. <laughs> Okay, we have two more. I was waiting for you to be like, Tempo? Chris Brown? <laughs> <laughs> okay, two more, two more. I feel like you guys are throwing curves balls. Right? Yeah. Um, I feel like you, like, that's an easy one. I don't even know that. <laughs> you don't know this song? You're fake. I don't listen to the whole albums of... I don't know. That particular artist. It's Breaking Dishes by Rihanna. From like Breaking her third Dishes. album. Just the umbrella, the umbrella album. Like, I don't, I don't listen to that All whole right. album. Last one. This is the hardest one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I knew you was going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the... If you want to give yourself a self plug here, that's the time. I mean, <laughs> that was just the greatest artist of all time. Uh, Sean Deuce, Save Me. We're going to have that this song played out. Thank with, you. with your permission, of course. With your permission. Of course. Yeah. All right. All right. So before we go, do you want to let people know where they could find and listen to your music? Um, You could listen to the music just about anywhere music is streamed. Uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, YouTube, Pandora, anywhere. And that is Sean Deuce. So that's S-H-A-W-N-D-E-U-S-E. -E. I was getting confused between the D-E-U and the D-U-E. D-E-U-C-E. Got you, got you. So y'all check that out. All right, and um, so I think that's that's it. Yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah, Leland again. Thanks for playing. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for being our guest again. Um. That's crazy that the fact that you said uh ten years because well I said ten years, but do you remember the first uh class we had where we met technically? No, <laughs> it was art class <laughs> for Miss Grenier when we had all oh yeah like, we had a, we had a famous squad <laughs> that was a badass class. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to uh, bring that up. I, I wanted to say that. But again, thank you for uh being here. Thank you for being our guest. Yeah. Thank you for your words of wisdom, and. Now we're just gonna, you know, play it out with that song. All right. Play that shit, Leland. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Leland. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Right. Take care, guys. That's my lady. I put her in that E class. That's that Mercedes. Remember back in the day, she tried to play me. But now she's changing her ways because I'm wavy. We had some bumps in the road, but now we gravy. Was going out of control, but shorty saved me. She liked me gripping her waist, put her in chokeholds. And when I buy them gifts, they bought a